emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Bear SAGE Institute colleague, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we're talking about communist humor. I don't know why we decided to do this, Ed. But because we're weird, Ron, and we, we find that humor, first of all, is something that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Both of us are students of comedy. Uh, we have Greg Kite, who's in the Verisage Institute. I think you and I appreciate good humor. I studied theater, which is also, there's a comic element to that. We just like clever, con- clever uh, things, and, and comedy is always incredibly clever. And, of course, when, if you can take some swipes at socialism and communism, well, that's a it's good Venn better. diagram. It's a good Venn diagram. That's what I'm saying. That's true. That's true. And I've always been obsessed with the uh, post-Cold War Soviet Union. I, I, I wrote a lot about it in college. did a lot of studying of, like, the black market, the gray market, you know, how they got things done, bribery, all of that. Wrote some economic papers about it. So I've always been just absolutely obsessed. But the humor is just really fascinating. It is because it's humor, as you say, is, it's, it, is, it takes the temperature of what's going on in a society. And I think that that's what is most interesting about it is if we can't, if we can't laugh at ourselves, which you can't in North Korea, let's face it, it's a problem. I, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people, I, I, I have, I'm Irish and I love a good Irish joke. Sure, <laughs> which, sure. Uh, the, the, the stereotypes are not good overall, but there's an element of fun to all of them just because all people are have something that's funny about them. And why can't you laugh at yourself? Absolutely. You know, that's what's interesting about studying this, these, these um, Eastern European or communist jokes is most jokes in other countries are about others, right? The Irishman, the Pole, Polish, the Jew, whatever. But these jokes are all inward they're all about themselves. Yeah, but I think that that jokes inward are more universal than just happen in in communism. I mean, for example, and I think I've told this story on a free rider Friday back in the, when when after my dad passed away. You know, my my family's joke is is we put the fun in funeral. Yep. And we we tell really harsh stories about the deceased to the point where people who are not in the family who are hanging out with us at funerals like, are like these people are really not good they're not yep. good people nope. yep <laughs> you know cuz we 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 are very i love good self deprecating humor in fact i think it's it's one of the things that i that i think is helpful in certain circumstances i think i've i've told this story but when i was in france on my honeymoon, uh, the first thing I would say to anybody was, you know, parlez-vous anglais? And, you know, usually they would say yes, uh, which was great. But I wanted to buy two tickets to, to get on the train to Versailles. And the guy at, behind the counter, when I said parlez-vous anglais, he goes, no. 
Like, oh, okay. It's like, <laughs> I said, so I said, je parle français comme un vache espagnol avec accent russe, which means I speak French like a Spanish cow with a Russian accent. <laughs> and the guy said after that, okay, I will speak English to you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the self-deprecation that opened him up and right, he, right. he was like, I, will, I do not want you to hear you slaughter my language. Fine. <laughs> I was speaking. <laughs> well, what's the other thing that's interesting about the communist humor is yeah. it, I think it goes way beyond self-deprecation. It's almost gallows. I mean, it is yes. humor. It's, it's dark. It's, it's incredibly dark. And, and I have to say, I love it. Um, oh yeah you know Karl Marx wrote in the introduction to a contribution to the critique of Hegel's philosophy of right oh that sounds like a page turner doesn't it (laughs) oh geez Uh, he actually wrote this Karl Marx the final phase of a historic political system is comedy and Stefan Wool who I ran across and we'll talk more about him Ed because it's really interesting but he wrote a book called everyday life in the DDR um, which is East Germany, he says the DDR did not get better or worse, simply more ridiculous. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. And, and when you watch documentaries, there's, there are some really good BBC documentaries on, on communism, the failed system or the forgot or the system history forgot or something like that. But they, they did Hungary, they did the East Germany, they did a couple other countries. And the one on East Germany is absolutely fascinating it's like three parts uh hour each or something and it's really good but it was just really (laughs) farcical yeah yeah and and gallows and you know right out of the bat i'll tell you one of the ones that i i jokes that i came across which just made me keel over hysterically very short joke but it's uh five out of six soviet scientists say russian roulette is safe (laughs) (laughs) yeah and, and I think it's, you know, I think it's important to remember in the 1980s, nearly one third of the world's population lived under this system. I know it's, it's, it's pretty incredible that, 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 that many people, and now it's down to what, less than 10%. I, um, well, certainly got China in there. Um, so yeah, yeah maybe, maybe it's, it's gotta be bigger than 10%, but yeah. Although uh, China, China, well, anyway, let's get let's go move on because we can get get sidetracked on China. Um, yeah, yeah, um, and you know the other line that uh, we've talked about before, and I think we talked about it with Greg Kite when we had him on that George Orwell wrote that every joke is a tiny revolution. Yes, um, but you know this is um, there's some some just quick one liners. What is colder in Romania than the cold water? The hot water. <laughs> Why did Ceausescu um, hold a mass rally on the 1st of May to see how many people had survived the winter? <laughs> gallows, gallows, <laughs> but, but interesting, right? But, but a way for them to, to somehow figure out, hey, the, the, we, can, we can laugh at ourselves, but also there's a serious element to this because obviously people dying during winter is a big problem. Oh, for sure. The communists said there'd be more of everything, and they were right. The party conferences were larger, the queues were longer, there were ten times as many secret policemen, and there was, wasn't just one Germany, there were two. See, there you go. 
Well, let me, listen, I, I, I got one that's in alignment with that. So let me see if I can get this. So it's a starving citizen in North Korea. Yep. Puts himself in front of Kim Il-jung's official rev- uh, residence and he yells over, we have no food, no electricity, we have no water, we have nothing. And he's seized by the local party and taken into the police. They interrogate him and they decide to give him a good scare. So they sit him down in a chair and point a gun at his head. And of course, he doesn't know it's full of blanks. The policeman pulls a trigger and yells, bang, let that be a lesson to you. To which the dissident replies, we have no food, no electricity, no bullets, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Stalin's in his limo and he asks the driver, tell me honestly, have you become more or less happy since the revolution? The driver says, in truth, less happy. And Stalin says, why is that? Of course, his hackles are raised at this point. He says, well, before the revolution, I had two suits. Now I only have one. Stalin says, well, you should be pleased. Don't you know that in Africa, they run around completely naked? And he said, really? He said, so how long ago did they have their revolution? (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but it, 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 there, there are, well, here's another good one-liner about so, Soviet shopping. I, and I, I found this one to be one of the best. Man walks into a shop and he asks the clerk, you don't have any meat? The clerk says, no, we don't have any fish. The shop that doesn't have any meat is across the street. <laughs> There's so many versions of that. That's <laughs> phenomenal. And what's great is these spread across countries. And you could just change the country, the leader, you know, and, and – it would be applicable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some good stuff. Uh, you know, I, I can't imagine. Can you imagine though what it must have been like to live under that kind of rule? No, I just, I, I mean, I can't even imagine just the queuing. I remember studying this and thinking, you know, they spent, I, I forget how many billions of hours it was, Ed, in queues, it, but it was massive. It was mm-hmm. massive. In fact, there, you know, there's a joke about a guy comes home early from work, catches his, his wife in bed with the neighbor, and he says, what, are you crazy? Don't you know they're selling butter? <laughs> yeah, no, well, I got a, I got a cue joke, too. This is, it must be a, this is, it's a running thing. Oh, big time. Uh, a, a worker is standing in a liquor store line and says, I've, I've had enough. Save my place. I'm going to shoot Gorbachev. Two hours later, he returns to claim his place in line. His friend asked, did you get him? He said, no, the line was even longer there. <laughs> and here's the funny thing about that joke. Gorbachev told that joke on a BBC interview. Did he really? He did. Absolutely. He did. I've got it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Gorbachev had a sense of humor then is he, where you're going he, he with did. this. He did. Because Reagan used to tell those Soviet jokes in front of him. You know, right. Reagan told him the joke. <laughs> he says the two Secret Service men are talking of the, the Russian and the USA counterpart, Secret Service, protecting the president, right? Gorbachev, Reagan. And, and the uh, American tells the Russian, he says, says, hey, he says, we have the freedom. He says, if I wanted to, I could urinate on President Reagan's limo. And the Russian says, well, that's no big deal. He goes, if we wanted to, we could defecate on Gorbachev's limo. And the American says, really? He says, absolutely. He says, of course, we don't take our pants off. (laughs) 
Yeah, lots of variations <laughs> on those themes. Lots of variations on those themes. We'll say this, though. that Do you remember that there was a great scene, and I think it was one of the, in the articles that we we saw, and we'll probably mention the, the, the 10 subversive jokes that could have landed you in East German prison. Mm-hmm. The, scene, the scene from Lives of Others... Yes, where the guy comes it. in and and tells and tell tells the tells a joke to his friends, and obviously the Stasi agents are sitting next door to him ne- at the next table, and all of a sudden they 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 ask him, you know, who who you who are you with, and he tells the joke anyway, and then the guy the the Stasi agent kind of laughs, but then at the end, the very end of the scene is what? What's your name? Where what's do you your, live? Yeah. yeah. What, what what do you do? What's your job? <laughs> Well, you know, that article, the 10 subversive jokes to land you in an East German prison, my, one of my favorite is the first one. Why do Stasi officers make such good taxi drivers? <laughs> you get in the car and they already know your name and where you live. It's like Uber. <laughs> it's like Uber. It's <laughs> like Uber. It's just, it's just, they were pre-Uber, Ron. They were pre-Uber. <laughs> All right. Well, look at this. We're up against our first break. I want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or myself by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the new website is now live and available at thesoulofenterprise.com where you can still see the show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows and our archive page. But we're constantly making improvements to that page now that we have a, it new and updated. So stay posted on that. But right now, a word from our sponsor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise well welcome back everybody we are talking about communist jokes today and 
Ron, this is just a variation on the one you told in the previous segment, which is about the Soviet free speech. So an American explains to a Russian that he he is truly in a free country because he can stand in front of the White House and shout to hell with Ronald Reagan. The Russian says that's nonsense because he can easily stand in front of Red Square and shout to hell with Ronald Reagan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, this is interesting. So I, I found this where I'm getting some of these in, in an article that was called the, the top 10 un, un, recently unclassified CIA Soviet jokes. So, mm. and I think you've told me this, that the, the CIA and Reagan had them, he had them track these, right? He, he had, had a guy. Them, yeah, he had a guy at the State Department. State uh, Department? Okay. Jeff, Jeff Goebel or something um, who was in charge of tracking these down because Reagan wanted to make sure they were verified that they were actually being told in the Soviet Union or whatever communist country it was. And there was like a team of like four or five people collecting these jokes for Reagan. That's why his speeches are just peppered with them. Mm-hmm. So it's cause, yeah, he used them often. But what was his, do you think his purpose was just to, to, to see, did he oh. think it was a leading indicator of what was going on there? No, I think he just liked them. He just liked he them, just, and he, he liked telling it. jokes. And he, <clears throat> he, he, you know, he was a true anti-communist, but he he liked poking holes in the system. And I think they actually probably helped it with his relationship with Gorbachev. Mm-hmm. You know, because Gorbachev true. laughed at him when he yeah. told him. You know, so. Although he did, he did, he did get in trouble that one time. I forget what it was like. He had it was an open mic on a radio show or something. Oh yeah, the bombs the, will. The evil mo- empire and the, the bombing will commence in five yeah. minutes or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That was like before debate. I think during the election. Um. So well, Ed, here, here, here's one for the uh, thereafter. If man dies, goes to hell, but he discovers there's a capitalist hell and a communist hell. So naturally, he wants to compare the two before he makes a decision. So he goes over to capitalist hell, and outside there's a devil. Looks a little bit like Ronald Reagan. He says, what's it like in there? He says, well, the capitalist hell, they flay you alive. Then they boil you in oil, and then they cut you up into small pieces with sharp knives. And he says, well, that doesn't sound very good. He said, I'm going to go check out communist hell. So he goes over there, and there's a little devil, kind of looks like Karl Marx. He says, so Karl, tell me. What's it like in there? He says, well, in communist hell, he says, they flay you alive, then they boil you in oil, and then they cut you up into small pieces with sharp knives. He says, but that's the same as capitalist hell. He says, why do you have so many people lined up outside of communist hell? And there's nobody lined up for capitalist hell. And Mark sighs, and he says, well, sometimes we're out of oil, sometimes we don't have knives, and sometimes there's no hot water. (laughs) There you go. <laughs> so he's standing in the queue. You know what? I'm just going to go to the Gavel Hill. Let's get it over with. Let's just get it over with and be done. Now, and th- which is right in line. This is a famous line, right? I don't know who said this. This is not a joke, but a line. Capitalism is the exploitation of man by man. Under socialism, yes. it's the other way around. Yes. Yeah, so I'll tell you actually who wrote that joke. Um, the author of that joke was uh, a longtime aide to Lenin, and it was um, – oh, where did I have it? I just saw it. Um, I'll find it. But um, if you got another one, go ahead. <laughs> well, there's it, – it, it, one of my, my, my favorites I mean, is the, the – the, <laughs> getting back to the East Germans 
um, is the, the Stasi held a competition for best political joke. First prize, 15 to 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was Carl Raddick, who was born in oh, 1905. Okay. Yeah, and he went on to lead, I forget which country. Uh, was it was it Czechoslovakia? One of them. Yeah. Carl yeah. Raddick. Um, anyway, he was supposedly the one who first said that or wrote it. I'm not, who knows? I mean, you know, who knows where these jokes come from, but, um, yeah, I mean, cause they, some of them sound like they could have come from Mark Twain. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And Mark Twain, of course, stole them from a lot of other people. He, he happened to be a collector as well. So, <laughs> so Nixon and Pompidou and Brezhnev and Pompidou is what the, uh, president of France at the time, right? Yeah. Right. They go, they, they meet God and God says, you can each ask me one question. And Nixon says to God, when will Americans have everything? And God replies in five years time. And Nixon's shaking his head. He says, oh, geez, that's not within my term of office. And then the French president goes up to God and he says, when will the French become rich? God answers in 15 years. Pompidou shakes his head and he says, sadly, not within my term of office. And Brezhnev goes up to God and says, when will everything be all right in the Soviet Union? God says, oh, sadly, not during my term of office. <laughs> oh. I mean, that's, that's profound. It but is profound. It's, but it's brutal. It is brutal. It is brutal. <laughs> but it's it profound. Is it, so that, rem that reminded me of this one. Okay, so this is a basically the a commissar walks into a bar joke, and he walks into a collective farm and de demands how to know how the po potato harvest is proceeding. And the the farmer says, "Marvelously, we have so many potatoes that if we put them all in one pile, it would reach the foot of God." The commissar grims, thunders, "This is the Soviet Union. There is no God." To which the farmer replies, "That's all right. There's no potatoes either." <laughs> Reagan told that multiple times. That was one of his favorite, I think. <laughs> oh, geez. So, but it's interesting though that they did weave God into the story, right? That they that, did. They're, that 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 was that was something that they they often talked about. That God that and and, and atheism as being part of the the official policy of the Soviet Union was something that that was incorporated in to the, the, the humor of the day. Right, right, for sure. You know, there's a teacher that asks his young class, who's your mother and who's your father? And one pupil replies, my mother is Russian, my father is Stalin. And he says, very good. And what would you like to be when you grow up? <laughs> An orphan. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. So I wonder if so the, these Stalin jokes, Ron. Do you think they came about during Stalin's reign, or is this post-Stalin? They, the, they did. Um, that's a great question. There's a book I read, and it's actually quite an academic book by a guy named Jonathan Waterlow. It's called "It's Only a Joke, Comrade: Humor, Trust, and Everyday Life Under Under Stalin." And the mm. period of study, believe it or not, was 1928 to 1941. And this guy went into the archives um, and, and tracked down jokes and people who were sentenced in prison for jokes, you know, under what was it, Article 58 or whatever it was. And there's actually a Harvard interview project on the Soviet social system conducted in 50, 
51 uh, with 764 interviews with Soviet refugees. This is funded by the Air Force. Don't ask me why. Um, but he recounts a lot of jokes. Not, well, not a lot. That was one of the things that disappointed me about this book. It was heavy on analysis and light on jokes. But there were incredible jokes during um, the Stalin era. Uh, just, just one thing, and this was more graffiti than jokes, but posters would be changed, switching out the T for an R in his name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that changes it not from you know the man of steel, but the man of, let's just say feces. Excrement. <laughs> Excrement, yes. Bovine scatology. Yeah. General North. Uh, what was his name? Norman, Norman Weisskopf. Interesting. So they, and, and cause getting back to something that we've talked about previously, what was, was Solzhenitsyn put in prison for it? Was it a joke or just being critical of, of Stalin in a letter? He didn't tell a joke. Yeah. I think he was critical or he said something snarky or sarcastic about, about sarcastic. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. I don't yeah. think he, I don't think he actually told a joke. Um, you know, that was another one that, of course, you know, came in the, the Soviet, the new prisoner gets into the Golag and all the other prisoners gather around him. He says, so what are you in? He, you know, how long is your sentence? He says, 25 years. And they say, what for? He says, nothing. I didn't do anything. I'm innocent. Uh, don't give us that story. The innocent only get five years. <laughs> <laughs> that was in that was in the first circle, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. many variations on that one. Yeah. Well, here, here's another uh, capitalist one contrasting the capitalists. A schoolboy wrote his weekly essay, my cat just had seven kittens. They're all communists. The following week, the boy wrote, my cat are all capitalists. The teacher called him up and asked him to explain why the sudden change. He said, well, last week, you see, they were all, co- last week, you said they were all communists. The boy nodded. He said they were, but this week, they all opened their eyes. <laughs> 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 you know they say that the usa great britain and east germany after years of just you know heavy negotiation agreed to raise the titanic and each nation had a different interest in doing this the usa wants to retrieve the millions of dollars worth of treasures mm-hmm. great britain wants to examine the whole of the vessel to determine why it sank and the engineering issues and East Germany is very keen to learn more about the band that played until the end. <laughs> Again, another brutal, brutal, but profound joke. Yeah. Yes. Very, very intense. Well, along those lines, Ron, in the next, in the next segment, let's, let's make sure that we talk about our favorite product to come out of, of, of the uh, communist block. And that is the Trabant. I think we can do almost an entire segment just on, on the Trabant and how things happen there. So the Trabant, of course, those of you don't know is the car that was produced by East Germany. And we will talk about that in the next segment, but right now I want to remind you that we do have the Patreon site up and available. And that is available at patreon.com slash TSOE. Those of you listening to this early know that you get all of the episodes that we release as soon as we do to do them as well as bonus episodes and then bonus content and we're making a commitment that in the new year in 2020 we're going to have a lot more bonus content available stuff that we find in our archives we'll be putting up on the patreon site so now's your chance to get over there patreon.com slash tsoe and become a patron of the soul of enterprise but right now a word from our sponsor (laughs) 
the future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials commercials plus bonus content go to patreon.com slash tsoe subscribe now and be free you're worth it from the boardroom to you voice america business network tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise all right well welcome back everybody we're talking about communist humor i hope great kites listening to this ed well, I'm sure Kite will have some of his own to contribute to this. This is a, this is a lot of fun here. <laughs> but there, uh, there's a Russian who visits a museum, and he's admiring a painting of Adam and Eve. And next to him are some French visitors. And he, and he says, the, the, the French accent, they say, look, you can see they are French. They are naked and beautiful. And the Englishman that's standing there says, no, no, they are English. They are shy and modest. And the Russian says, you are both wrong. He says, they are Russian. They have no clothes on. They have only an apple to eat, and yet they're being told they live in paradise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Good one. Good one. All right. Well, speaking of paradise, let's talk cars, Ed. (laughs) Yeah, our our favorite product to come out of of the communist regime must be the Trabant, which was, I think, originally produced, what was it, 19, I have the number here, let me see if I can quick get to it, 1958, something like that? 57 to 1990. Yeah, and and almost relatively unchanged the whole time. Yes, one car that didn't that didn't alter or make improvements. They and they made two point eight million of these things. Crazy, crazy number. Trabant six hundred ones were produced, all of which became obsolete when the Berlin Wall fell on November 9th, nineteen eighty nine. But uh, and there are people that collect these things, and there is even um, I don't know what you call it a rally, a festival, a you know where they all get together and. It's really funny, and but but those people are serious. Like they like like the Trabant. They're very like very much it, so. It's it's not it's not that they're making fun of it because I would be there making fun of it. it, it I mean, this top speed was what sixty miles an hour. Oh, if and, you were lucky, 
Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you get it to sixty, it and would then probably it, quote, start smoking. Yeah, smoked, smoked like an Iraqi oil fire. That's <laughs> right. put it, but but it was it was very environmentally friendly, Ron, because it was made oh. out of recycled cotton uh. and wool. It was so it was very environmentally friendly, except. <laughs> For well, the emissions, which were a little bit of a problem, and yeah, and you had to mix oil and gas. I had a lawnmower. Two cycle engine. I, I know. Engine. I know a lawnmower that had more guts. I mean, <laughs> I, and I'm and I'm sure it was a very similar engine to some of the lawnmowers. And, and here's the thing: it was like a year's salary. It was a stupid amount of money. It was an amazing these. amount of money. Um, it was, what, what was it? It was uh, 7,450 Eastern marks, by, uh, which is what they sold for in 1963, mm-hmm. which was $862 in U.S. dollars in 1963, and $15,600 today in today's dollars. And, and, and folks, let's just tell you, tell you, you've got to see, there's a video that we'll put as part of the show notes to, uh, to this show. Th- this car had nothing. There was no glove box. There was no air conditioning. There, there was, there, there barely was, uh, well, and it, uh, something about the locks, right? You could only lock the, the, the one door from the inside. From the inside and the and other door from the outside. outside. So, <laughs> this very the, convenient. the windshield wipers were like right in your view. They cut across the, the little windshield like halfway. Right. Like that's where they were. Like when, they it, were. when they weren't, weren't, weren't going on, that's where they were. <laughs> No seatbelts, <laughs> you know. Nope. So there's clearly some problems with the Trabant, but there there are great some great uh, Trabant jokes. Let me let me offer a couple of them up to you here. This is one of my favorites. Says, "How do you catch a tribby? A trabby, I guess they say. You just stick chewing gum on the highway." <laughs> <laughs> and what's the best feature of a trabby? The heater at the back to keep your hands warm when you're pushing it. <laughs> what comes what comes in the trunk of a trabi? Pair of sneakers. <laughs> What's in the back? What's in the back thirty pages of the owner's manual on a trabi? The bus schedule. <laughs> oh jeez. Suffice a- to say that that this is an awful car, yet produced. <laughs> Not, not far from BMW and Audi. I mean, this is, yeah. I mean, I mean this, by the, by probably the same people, they're probably cousins. <laughs> oh, geez. We got to post that video. That video is so funny. This guy is having such a ball driving this car because it's just such a piece of crap. It's, it's not even fathomable, but it, it's, Oh geez, and there was a ten-year waiting list, Ed. To get it, yeah, get I know, it. I know. And, and like he, I think the what the one that he drives, he doesn't get it to sixty. I think he maxes out at like fifty miles an hour or something. I think so yeah, and it was you know, zero to fifty in like twenty-one point seven seconds. And, and, and the guy who owns the car that he friended and you know, the guy let him test drive it does he says well how fast can you go well if there's a good wind behind you <laughs> and you're going downhill <laughs> down- I, can get, I can get it and get it and get it to 60 if you're going downhill oh, which makes you think i wonder what it was like t- trying to take a, a, a trabi uphill in germany someplace like up into the alps at all i you know i there 
they sold that many of them. I mean, 2.8 million, which isn't a lot. I forget the population of East Germany, but over that time period from 57, when it came out to 1990, that's what that's, it's 33 years. Mm -hmm. So not a lot of people had these things. I mean, per, on yeah. a per capita, right? Because they were so expensive. I yep. guess they were, they were greater than the annual wage by a huge factor, actually. And, you know, and I got to think that, that many of these folks that, that, who were in power there, did they drive trobbies all around? No, they had, there was a Russian uh, limo that the, uh, you know, the the party apparatchiks drove around in. What was it called? The Zaylig? Z -E oh, okay. Um, and then some of them had Mercedes. I mean, <laughs> Mercedes were a big thing. In fact, uh, Kim Jong-un uh, and his father were big Mercedes people. In fact, I think at the funeral, when they're, uh, Kim Jong-il's funeral, um, it's all American cars that are the in the procession. Remember oh, Castro's man. Jeep ran out? Yes, broke down. <laughs> they, they did. They literally had to get out and push it. I do remember that. Well, maybe it was a Trabi. I don't know. It was a Trabi. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but th that also reminds me of the other, yeah, this is a classic joke, but the little old man who goes into the bureaucrat's office at Goss plan to order his car. He's got all of his papers stamped by the right ministry. And the, the bureaucrat looks at him. He says, all right, great. You're on the list. You'll get your car in 10 years. And he, he's throwing up his hands. He's cheering. And he kind of heads towards the door. He turns around and says, uh, Will that be in the morning or the afternoon? He says, 10 years from now, what the hell's the difference? He says, well, I got the plumber coming in the morning. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So here's, here, here's a, one, of, one, of my, my, one of my favorites is the, uh, the, the joke that talks about all, all of the leaders there, right? So we had Soviet leadership. We had a, a train bearing Lenin, Stalin, Khrushchev, Brezhnev, and Gorbachev stop suddenly when, it's out, when the tracks run out. Each leader applies his own unique solution. Lenin, Lenin gathers the workers and peasants for miles around and exhorts them to build more track. Stalin shoots the train crew while the train still doesn't move. Khrushchev rehabilitates the dead crew and orders the tracks uh, brought around from behind to be ripped up and laid back in front. Brezhnev pulled down the curtains and rocks back and forth, pretending the train is moving. <laughs> and Gorbachev calls a rally in front of the locomotive where he leads a chant, no tracks, no tracks, no tracks. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the fact that, I mean, it's just brilliant. All, the, all futile, right? I mean, that, it's just, it's, it's great humor. It is great humor. It is great humor. And look, we have, we, I'm sure but there's great humor that, and that's the, one of the great things about being in a free society. You know, the humor that is, is directed towards all of our presidents, you know, uh, here we have Donald Trump being made fun of and Bernie Sanders and, 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 you know, one of your favorites is, is you want Bernie Sanders to, to be in the race if only because you can see Larry David play him on <laughs> Saturday night live. Right. 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 So, um, uh, you, know, you, you know, I don't know if you watch this, uh, but in that 10 subversive jokes to land you in an East German prison, the 10th mm -hmm. one, why did Eric Honecker, which was the president of the East Germans, yes. uh, get a divorce because yeah. Brezhnev kisses better than his wife. 
Ed, you've got to watch the clip of those two kissing. It's 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 like when Gore laid one on Tipper in mm-hmm. in the uh, Democratic uh, convention. Remember that? Yes. Uh huh. I mean, these two were going at it. It was the weirdest thing. Well, that's, but but did that was a Brezhnev thing? It was like Brezhnev. Bre- Brezhnev it was. It was, what, what you, was it called? Like the fraternal kiss or something? Yeah, and kind of the was, Russian. You, you would, yeah, it would. Be, I mean, it's left, right, one, one, uh, left, yeah. left cheek, right cheek, and then lips. So yeah, it was, and, and these guys went at it, and and but it was uncomfortably long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well. You know, interesting. So a Soviet, uh, re- I know we've got only got a, do we have time? Yeah, we've got one minute. Uh, yeah, one more minute. Okay. Yep. Soviet returns from the West and his friends gather around asking just tons of questions as they did. Is there any, is there any evidence over there that people are rich or poor? And the Russian says, well, they must be poor. He says, they can't afford to buy anything. I passed hundreds of shops and their windows were full of all kinds of exotic fruits, delicious sausages, beautiful clothes, but there are no cues. yeah well and it's not a not a joke but a real story wasn't there margaret thatcher with gorbachev in a supermarket yeah she she what what's that story yeah she took him to uh the supermarket where he was just absolutely blown away by the variety of just even you know one product like juice or something and all the different types but then she took him to an appliance store and there were different color washing machines and refrigerators all different sizes and and he looked at her in amazement. He says, well, who, who plans all this? And she kind of looked at him and said, no one. The market does. The prices do this. <laughs> right. Prices do all this. That's just a yeah. great, a great and, story. And when he came to um, the, the San Francisco Bay Area for the first time, he fell in love with the Golden Gate and San Francisco. In fact, he put his foundation in the Presidio. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't believe it's there anymore, but he just loved this area. And um he, he's standing on the bridge. I forget the governor. I don't know if it was the governor or somebody and said, gee, I hope you tax the people that live here for this beauty. It, it just shows you the mindset. Of course, they do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right? that's why it's the People's but, Republic of California, California. <laughs> yeah. Well, with uh, that uh, sad note, I'd like to remind you folks, if you want to get a hold of Ed or me, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Please go out to... Apple Podcasts, Ed. I'm going to have a hard time remembering to, to say that because it's no longer iTunes, is it? Right, that's correct. Uh, so go out to Apple Podcasts and give us a review, good, bad, or indifferent. We will read it on the air. And now we want to hear from our sponsor and Ed's employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. You 
You're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Wow, Ron, our shows usually go fast, but this one is really super flying by this communist humor. And so here's one I think that would be a nice start to our wrap-up segment here. So this is uh, KGB headquarters near Chernobyl (laughs) suffered a major fire and was almost completely destroyed during the incident. And and shortly after, a man called looking for help. The receptionist says, I'm sorry, we can't do anything. The, The KGB is burnt down. Five minutes later, the receptionist gets another call and says, I'm sorry, we can't help. The KGB office is burnt down. Five minutes pass and the phone rings again and the receptionist recognizes the same guy who's called twice before. And she says, well, why do you keep calling back? I told you that the KGB office is burnt down. He says, I know, I just like hearing it. (laughs) (laughs) Couple, couple ones that came out of Chernobyl in April 1986 is what's the new sign in the Kiev hospitals? Anyone who has come in for radiation therapy, please go outside. <laughs> How many Russians does it take to change a light bulb? None. They all glow. <laughs> oh, very serious incident. Very serious. Tragic, tragic, yes. yeah. tragic incident that didn't have to happen because of hubris, really. <laughs> so this is one for Rabbi Lappin. There's an old Jew on his deathbed who asked the rabbi, rabbi as his dying wish to be made a member of the Communist Party. The rabbi says, why would you want to do that? He says, because it's better that one of them dies than one of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's, here's one of my favorites, Ron. This is, this is a titled Soviet Excuses. A man is driving with his wife and a small child, and a militia pulls him over and makes him take a breathalyzer test. Uh, See, the militiaman says, you are drunk. The man in protest demands that the breathalyzer must be broken and invites the cop to test his wife. So she also registers as drunk. Exasperated, the man invites the cop to test his child. When the child registers as drunk as well, the cop shrugs and says, well, yes, perhaps it is broken and sends them on their way. Out of earshot, the man tells his wife, see, I told you it wouldn't hurt to give the kid a couple shots of vodka. (laughs) Well, you know, that was the other great line, and I don't know who coined this. It, it might have been George Will, but uh, somebody coined it, said, you know, that the, there's been a lot of written about the transition from capitalism to communism, but not a lot yet going the other way. The only thing we know is that intermediate step seems to be alcoholism. <laughs> Very true. Very um, true. So Stalin is surprised to learn that the stamps issued for his birthday aren't selling very well. So he goes incognito into the stamp shop on Stalin Road. Says, he says to the clerk, I'd like to have 40 filler stamps of Stalin, please. And he licks one, sticks it on an envelope and asks her, tell me, why aren't these stamps selling? She says, because they don't stick. He says, it sticks very well. She goes, yes, but the others are spitting on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor Stalin. Not. Not. Uh, Now, we were talking about Moscow on the Hudson, which is um, Robin Williams, and he plays a Russian who defects in the United States. Was he a member of a circus or a band? I 
I forget in the movie. I think it was a circus. It was a circus, wasn't it? Because yeah. one of the <laughs> what's the definition of a Russian string quartet? A Soviet orchestra, a Soviet orchestra back from a U.S. tour. <laughs> <laughs> Defections was a thing, Ron, wasn't it? it was. Defections was a was a thing. I yep. remember that was there was there was always a big deal. Yep. And they we had we interviewed the heck out of the refugees, put them in a safe space, and uh, geez, even even Stalin's daughter defected, lived mm-hmm. here, married. Um, was it Frank Lloyd Wright, um, or or became friends with Frank Lloyd Wright? And his wife, and they had a big farm or something down in Arizona. But yeah, she she defected to the U.S. Very very intriguing. I read her biography. It was really interesting. So this is interesting. One of the, one of the guests that we hope to get on the show is a guy that I came into contact with uh, a while back, and um, now in the in the midst of of lining him up for the show. But he is a person who has spent the most time. His name, by the way, is a. Uh, uh, Brian B R O R O N B Y R O N Reese spent a lot of time, and he claims to be the person who spent the most time as an American in North Korea. And one of the things that he mentioned is is that they're always when they're with him, it's not just one handler; it's always three. Three, hmm. and which which is really interesting, and, and is in, in in alignment with the, one of this the the jokes that I came across, uh, and that is uh, this. How, how, why do the Stasi work together in groups of three? You need one who can read, one who can write, and a third to keep an eye on the two intellectuals. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he, you know, this it, is very, a very true thing is that they, they not only write reports on the person that they're with, Brian was saying, but they write reports on each other. Right. Uh, you know, because that's that that's that's how they're it's they they what they use to make sure that people stay in line is it's not you know it's not just the people that you're with it's it's anyone who's you're working with on your even your team, right right well that's the like the joke of the two guards at the on the Berlin Wall on the East German side and they're kind of smoking and looking out over West Germany and there's long pause and one says to the other, "Are you thinking what I'm thinking?" And he says, yes. He says, well, then I'm going to have to arrest you. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. Another one I really like because it it, kind of goes along with this theme of economy and mind and ideas. But a man goes to visit Lenin's tomb and the guard there says, Lenin is dead, but his ideas will forever, will live forever. And the guy says, I just wish it was the other way around. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A man on the street poll was taken in three countries. What is your opinion of the recent shortage of meat? In the U.S., they said, what shortage? In Poland, they asked, what is meat? In East German, they asked, what is an opinion? <laughs> I heard a variation with dogs, but but yeah, that, that's good. All right, give the dog variation, Ron. No, you- I can't remember it, but yeah. Um <laughs> So this book, the it's only a joke, comrade. One of the points he makes is that it, what what is called anecdote and I guess Russian, you know, the political humor, the political line with the punchline and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, he said it helped ease psychological pain. It helped forge trust between contemporaries. It helped make sense of their lives during this violent and disruptive decade. But the the consensus seems to be Ed that this did not topple the regimes. This did not topple communism because it was more of a 
a thermometer than a thermostat. But it was known as Europe's jazz, the music of the oppressed, these jokes. And I thought that was a good way to think about it. That is a very interesting way to think about it. And I think you're right. It, it, clearly, you can't just trace back the fall of the Soviet Union and communism. is just because a bunch of people told some jokes. Absolutely. But as, as always, it's more complicated than that. But, but certainly, there was, there was influence that, that because being, first of all, allowed to tell them, I doubt there's a lot of humor at all in North Korea. And, right. which is one of the reasons why that they've been able to sustain it for so long as basically humor is banned. Well, one point that uh, Ben Lewis makes in, in Hammer and Tickle is that sarcasm and mockery are rust that corrodes everything that it touches. And he does talk about Nazi jokes and there were far fewer Nazi jokes. Now he racks that up to prove that the German population had Nazi sympathies or many, much of the German population, you know, had Nazi sympathies. I'm not sure if I'm willing to go that far, but when you, when you compare those two regimes, there were far more jokes in communism. Now also let's remember that Nazism didn't last very long. That's true. And it might take some time in order to get things going. So. Right. Right. All right. Well, we got to wrap things up, Ron. All right, Ed. Well, what's coming up for next week? Next week, Ron, really excited. We have our interview with Keith Smith from the Oklahoma Surgery Center. I cannot wait to talk to this gentleman. It's going to be such a blast. Fantastic. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. In the meantime, check us out at soulofenterprise.com, our new website. Go out to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. And send an email to Ed or me at asktsoe at Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.